This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Professor Dwayne Windsor is a leading authority on corporate social responsibility. He's been sharing his thoughts on the past, the present and future of CSR practice and scholarship. His lecture, An American Perspective on Corporate Social Responsibility, highlighted developments and aired some of the disagreements in the field. He shared with his Cambridge Judge Business School audience the strengths and weaknesses of several important theories or perspectives around CSR. Professor Windsor's research interests focus on CSR, stakeholder theory, and international policy regimes, especially anti-corruption accords. Does he feel that some companies and some major corporates espouse CSR for the wrong reasons? Uh, yes, you can divide companies. Let's assume that there are companies that uh, issue reports in compliance with the GRI standards and join the UN Global Compact principles. So they can join for the right reasons, which is an um, ethical commitment to responsibility because the, the executives of the company value being responsible. So they have the right motives. They can all, companies can also join and issue reports for the wrong reasons, which is to have a superficial appearance. So, um, again, speaking sort of on a cautionary uh, note as, as a scientist, it's okay for me if a company complies for the wrong reason as long as they comply. That is, if they join in the global compact and they do nothing, that's obviously a bad sign. If they join the compact and they begin reporting and they begin undertaking certain kinds of initiatives, then the outcomes are more important than their motives. And what I mean by institutionalization of a regime is... Um, Let's take Siemens, for instance, a German company. So in recent uh, memory, they have been convicted in German and U.S. judicial procedures uh, of a global corruption scheme. They basically, in whatever settlements they've made, have agreed not to do that again. So they might or might not mean it. That depends on who's in charge. But that they've given their pledge means the odds are they're more likely to be neutral or move in the direction of responsibility than they are to backslide. That's a step forward. It's better than what they were doing before with corruption. That BP has to be more careful in its uh, drilling platform operations is at a serious cost in human life and money a forward step. So I, I call that progress, and uh, responsibility works, and responsibility is moving in the correct direction uh, it's uh, always a question of speed, diffusion of conviction, and so forth. But I'm sort of pragmatic about this matter. I'd rather somebody complied with the traffic laws than believe in them. I was surprised to hear you explain that, that CSR has been around for a lot longer uh, than certainly I imagined it to have been. I, 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 I thought it was 1970s onwards, but you say it goes back much further than that. If we, if we distinguish between practice and uh, theory. Responsibility, not, not the label, not the basic idea, but the basic practices, is certainly much older. So Roman companies 
carried out certain kinds of civic duty. So it's not a democratic society. And some of the things they do might or might not be what we would encourage today, but they certainly, there was a sense of civic responsibility at the municipal level in particular. Uh, Some companies in Britain were founded in the 19th century by Quakers, and um, they had uh, both uh, social and uh, business purposes. So there's a lot longer background of this practice than one might imagine. The same would be true in the United States in certain ways. The modern notion, the sort of the formal concept that academics work with called corporate social responsibility, is basically a, from the progressive era, that is, say, from 1890 to 1920. Uh, Andrew Carnegie, the philanthropist after he was... Uh, a ruthless business executive, is in effect being mimicked by Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. The question being, are they they're not ruthless in the same sense that Andrew Carnegie was, but they're certainly philanthropists in the same sense, uh, with a great deal of wealth. Uh, very early academic paper on responsibility appeared in an economics journal in 1916 modern literature on responsibility dates from about the early 1950s. And the reason for that is that up until about the Great Depression, the prevailing philosophy for most business executives was laissez-faire market economics. During the Depression and during World War II, there was a very different tradition, certainly in the United States where I'm familiar with, I presume in, in Britain at the same time, that there were broader responsibilities to society under uh, these kinds of extreme conditions. And so by the 1950s, there were works appearing in the literature that sort of captured this uh, spirit. So business executives worked for a dollar a year in Washington. They didn't take salaries. So that there was a kind of a fundamental change. So, yes, it's, it's older than one appreciates. The literature we read today is more recent. It's a literature that dates from the 70s and 1980s, but certainly an older literature and an older practice. In the perfect world, what would your description of CSR be? Well, you raise an interesting question because um, in, in the CSR literature, there are actually quite divided views about what an ideal world would be. So one idealization without, uh, let's say, don't need to associate it with particular individuals, but one form of idealization is that a properly functioning market economy populated by virtuous executives and virtuous citizens might not need social responsibility in the form we think of it today because they would automatically be responsible and the market would tend to solve these kinds of problems. Uh, I live in today's world, to me that's kind of an idealization. Another idealization would be that there would be a different form of market-state relationship in which, uh, say, shareholder wealth maximization in the conventional sense would not be as important in capital markets as it is today. So I, I think that latter idealization is more uh, is much more likely than the prior one. So I'm I'm in favor of continuing to stress social responsibility. So Jack Welsh, the um, the retired head of General Electric, has pretty much put on the record 
that he never meant shareholder value maximization as created in the 1980s to mean ruthless profit maximization, ignoring everything else. He, he says he always meant that it was a long-term sustainable relationship. That means a relationship with the stakeholders and an appropriate balancing between the short-term and the long-term. So I thought he's always been very clear about that. So I, I think that idealization is more likely the one in which markets are perfectly self-correcting. So the, the role of social responsibility is really that there's something about the market economy that isn't self-solving and isn't going to be fixed by the government, but requires uh, individual executives to think about their values and their responsibility. Professor Dwayne Windsor, thank you very much. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. Thank you.